movements in motherhood are they're slow, they're fast, they're awkward, they're sudden, they're random, they're continuous. You know, there's so much going on. Nothing in the gym can prepare you for the exercise you end up doing in, in mother, motherhood. Marhaba, I'm Karen Abu Jaude. I'm Sara Raslan. And I'm Mays Amran. Welcome to Al Umuma. Real talk, guys. We'll be taking you through all the stages of pregnancy and motherhood and diving into the stuff no one talks about. From fears and anxieties, sex drive, to social stigmas, we will be sharing our personal experiences with you. And of course, welcome various special guests to share their journeys and learnings too. And most importantly, hear from you, mamas. This is your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram where we'll be taking all your awesome questions. Don't shy away, mamas, or even papas. All sorts of questions are welcome. Just remember, folks, we are not medical professionals. We are mamas sharing our experiences with you. All thoughts and opinions expressed are our own. Welcome to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, Hannah Bennett, who has been a physio for 18 years. She spent 10 years in the British Army rehabilitating servicemen and women with sports and trauma-related injuries. She has brought her talent and experience to the region and has been working here for six years. Hannah now specializes in pre- and postnatal rehab. She works with women in their childbearing years and beyond. Her aim is to ensure the individuals she cares for are physically and mentally prepared for the intensity of parenthood and helps them rebuild the foundation of fitness following delivery so that they can reach their postnatal fitness, exercise, and sporting goals. So let's start right at the beginning of pregnancy. There are so many things people don't talk about, and we want Hannah to talk about them. Hannah, Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the body, a woman's body, when she is pregnant? Well, I mean, I think the thing that uh, a lot of people do know about, or they're slightly, you know, they're slightly aware of it already, is that right at the beginning of pregnancy, we have this huge change in our hormones, um, and the biggest one, I think, for women that they notice, particularly in their joints and things, is that we have a huge increase in uh, progesterone at the beginning of your pregnancy. Um, the purpose for having progesterone is to help your body hang on to that pregnancy. Um, and we also have um, an influx of a, another hormone called relaxin. Now, relaxin and progesterone together, they actually um, create ligamentous laxity around your body. I mean, the main aim of ligamentous laxity is to create um, some looseness in your pelvis because you're your body's intention is to get your baby out through the pelvis. Um, although, you know, it, it doesn't know that potentially we might have a C-section on the horizon, you know, <laughs> if things don't go to plan. But so the main aim is to have that baby pass through the, 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 um, the pelvis. And so we want to make that, the, your body wants to make that pelvis a little bit looser. But when it introduces these hormones or you get a, uh, an influx of these hormones into, into your body, of course, they go around everywhere in your body, not just... Uh, not just your pelvis. So actually what women find is that they start noticing that they get quite sore feet and they mm. might start getting mm. back pain and pelvic pain actually an awful lot earlier than they would have expected. Uh, everybody's um, 
pregnancy experience is very different. But yeah, one of those first things that that people often notice is that yeah, they all they start feeling a little bit looser and a little bit aches and pains in joints that they wouldn't have expected, and it's because of this influx of hormones. And what is it about those hormones that would would lead to to feeling that pelvic pain and back pain and and foot pain? I'm I'm currently at the 18 week mark today, and I'm starting to feel some of that pain in my in my feet. Definitely, I'm constantly asking my husband for foot massages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, the, well, the main thing is those those hormones. Um, their job, as I say, is to loosen the joints of the pelvis. But as I said before, you know, your our bodies can't dictate where that. Um, it can't focus it on the pelvis only so you feel it all the way around your body and it's to loosen up the ligaments to make everything a little bit looser so your baby can pass through the pelvis so what tends to happen is then so let's go to your feet for example um your feet have three natural arches running through them the one on the inside you'll be most familiar with that sort of inner arch of your foot your instep now mm-hmm. when we get these um, hormones running through the body your ligaments get looser. So all the ligaments that would hold these um, arches in their natural position and give you support through your joints, they are being loosened and their actions are being sort of dampened down by the action of, right. of the hormones. And so what you start getting is a little bit of sort of flattening and widening through your feet. Mm, so yeah. Karen and I were talking before about, you know, <laughs> you go and buy this beautiful pair of pumps at the beginning of your pregnancy and actually sort of halfway through, you realize you can't fit into your little <laughs> pumps anymore. And then you think, oh, it's fine. I'll get back into them, you know, once this pregnancy is done with. So H- Hannah, actually, so you're talking about, we're talking about the ligaments getting looser. We're talking about the pelvis. We're talking about... Um, making sure our muscles are strong enough to compensate for the ligament looseness. Um, and when I was thinking about myself and my pregnancy, I remember seeing such an arch in my spine, in my lower back, um, as my stomach grew. And I remember that, you know, my pelvis started to tilt forward. And I was wondering, is the pelvis responsible for this quote-unquote waddle that we do when we're in late pregnancy what is the relation there yeah so we have various glutes glute muscles we all know about glute max which is the big meaty one yeah we've also got got glute medius which sits more on the side of your um on the side of your pelvis and your and your buttocks as it were and it's sort of like a clamshell kind of shape um, I'm sort of making a gesture with my hands here that you're sort of, <laughs> <laughs> if it was shaped like a clamshell mm-hmm. um, and you've got the bottom part of it is connected to your hip and then that fan sort of shape is up in the top part of your pelvis. Now, when you stand on one leg, what should happen is that the the pelvis, the, the sorry, the glute medius on that side, it should tighten up to keep your pelvis nice and level. Mm-hmm. Now, with our pelvis coming into more of a forward tilt position, that glute medius goes, oh, hang on a minute. I don't know the position I'm in. I can't work so efficiently. So it doesn't tighten up quite as much as it should do to keep your pelvis level. So then what happens is your pelvis drops on the opposite side. And this is what's responsible for that little waddle mm-hmm. at, the, at, the end, <laughs> at the end stages of your pregnancy. It's just your these glutes muscles, they don't recognize the position they're in. They can't work as efficiently. Um, and so they don't. So they let your side of your pelvis drop. So you start waddling. And this is, you know, something we 
try hard with in physiotherapy and pre-postnatal Pilates is to work very specifically on trying to remind your body, look, this is this was your prenatal posture. Let's see if we can still keep reminding your body how we get there so that these muscles can work really efficiently they still know what they're doing so that we keep some good pelvic stability um so i mean going back to our original question you know what what are some of the things that happen in pregnancy you know very often we'll get this sort of the lower back pain side of things women can also experience pain at the front of their pelvis so just on that hard pubic bone just a above your, la your ladies bits and pieces <laughs> that <laughs> that bone there this is actually a joint okay so it's where one side of your pelvis meets the other side now when when we get this ligamentous laxity what can then happen as you're stepping or as you're um taking one leg away from the other what can start happening is you start getting that sort of shifting through the front of your pelvis this sort of this movement and shearing force through the front of your pelvis. So an awful lot of ladies will get, uh, will experience um, pain at the front of the pelvis there. Is that the stabbing, is that the stabbing pain? I remember, I don't know if it's the same thing, but I remember when I was pregnant, I thought like I used to get this sharp stabbing pain and I used to scream, someone's stabbing my vagina. <laughs> is that the same or is it different? No, it's, it's different. I think what you're talking okay. about is, is, I think what you're talking about is commonly known as um, lightning crotch. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> lightning crotch. Okay, so it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's a much more sort of. I mean, I didn't have it myself in my third <laughs> in my third pregnancy. I think when I was swimming, doing things like breaststroke, and my legs were, you know, were coming up, were uh, okay. coming apart. And so that's when I felt this sort of. I guess it was almost like a sort of real burning sort of ache in the front of okay. my pelvis. In that, yeah. But you're, what you're talking about, the lightning crotch, is yeah, right down in your vagina. Is that so then what about round ligament pain? Yeah, your round ligaments are actually yeah. your they're the ligaments that go from the left and right side of your uterus and come down onto the left and right side of your pelvis in the front. So you might start getting left or right or both sides groin pain. And this mm -hmm. is when as your uterus is stretching and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, these ligaments are being stretched as well because they're, you know, they anchor your uterus to your pelvis. And as that, as your uterus is getting bigger, they're starting to pull on your pelvis. So a lot of people say, gosh, oh. I'm getting it in my groin. And these, this might be round ligament pain. Um, you've got other ligaments that actually anchor the uterus to the back of your pelvis as well. And so this is where you might get, I mean, there's all sorts of things that can cause one-sided uh, mm pelvic pain at, at the back but that is one of them is this other ligament that um anchors the uterus to the back of the pelvis yeah it's quite helpful to know these things especially for first time um pregnancies because i mean i remember for my my last pregnancy uh when i started feeling that pain if i hadn't heard of the round ligament pain i would have um, been really scared because it happened at night and it was really sharp acute pain on one side and I thought, you know, what does this mean? Is something wrong with the baby? Um, so it's very useful to know that all of these different ligaments are stretching and pulling and loosening and tightening. And yeah. um, <laughs> how incredible is is the female body? Honestly, every time I, I do an episode here, I'm just amazed again. But you know what else amazes me um, or amazed me during my pregnancy is how much I pissed myself, Hannah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I sneeze and I pee. I actually sneeze today and I pissed myself. <laughs> and I'm one month post labor. So what's going on with the bladder? <laughs> what's going on with the bladder? Well, in pregnancy, you know, there's a few things happening. Obviously, you've got, you know, an awful lot more weight coming down, sitting on top of your bladder in pregnancy. So, you know, you've got the weight of the baby, the weight of the water, the weight of the placenta, any extra weight that, you know, we do pick up as women in pregnancy, an awful lot more weight coming down onto the bladder to start with. So direct pressure onto the bladder, but also you know, we've got a lot more weight coming down onto the pelvic floor. Now, the pelvic floor is responsible for closing various holes off, you know, in, in, in mm. our pelvis, one of them being the urethra. You know, it has a, it has a role to play in, in helping to keep that closed. Now, if you've got effectively a dumbbell sitting inside <laughs> your pelvis and it's pulling on its pulling on that closing point of your urethra, um, it all, I mean, it does depend a little bit as well on the strength of your pelvic floor going into pregnancy, potentially how fit you've been before you go into pregnancy. Did you have any issues before you even got pregnant? Now, some people do have, um, some people are, you know, they do have some leaking before they even become pregnant. Um, now, you can you can have a weak pelvic floor that leads to some leaking, you, but also an overactive pelvic floor can also lead to, to leaking. So, you know, those sometimes we find in women who are sort of classically very fit, um, or you would think who are very fit, so potentially those women who are crossfitters, even before they get pregnant, they have problems with leaking when they're skipping. You know, the double unders is a classic. So actually, um, you know, leaking can be a common symptom in women who haven't even had children yet. Um, mm, wow. So, and I think again, that is something that doesn't get spoken about because women who haven't had children yet, they're embarrassed. Well, why is this happening to me? I haven't had anything. I haven't had anything to cause a problem in my pelvic floor so far. You know, so that often doesn't get talked about. Um, so it's important we bring these issues up. You know, these are these things can happen in pregnancy, they can happen before pregnancy, they can certainly happen after pregnancy. Um, and they can happen to women who have had a vaginal delivery, they can happen to women who have had a cesarean section as well. Hannah, we're talking, we've talked so much about um, what's happening in your body while you're pregnant. There's honestly, it really is a miracle what our bodies go through. Um, and knowing all these things that happen, can you maybe give the listeners out there um, different, you know, a couple of different avenues to support herself, maybe some exercises, maybe some professional help, or, you know, what advice would you give to, to help us strengthen our body in preparation or, or while we are pregnant? Um, I think actually there's a step before, before the exercise part of things and keep it, keeping us strong is um, what I would say to all women is that we need to become, become familiar with our bodies, even almost before pregnancy. You know, as women, we don't spend an awful lot of time exploring our bodies, um, and there's quite a lot of shame and fear attached to to, to exploring your body, isn't there? Um, but then, when you don't, when you when you don't know your body so well, it then becomes very difficult first to recognise if you have a problem that needs looking at by a healthcare professional. But it also becomes 
you know, difficult to sort of raise your hand and seek that help. So I think the first thing that I would urge any woman to do is if you're thinking about pregnant, be getting pregnant or you're trying to get pregnant and you're, if you're in the early stages of pregnancy, get familiar with your body. What does everything look like now? What does it feel like now? And then monitor all that. And if you have to write it down and sort of think, you know, do a little bit of a body diary for your pregnancy. How are you feeling now? You know, what are your boobs feeling like? What does the vagina feel like? This, you know, this is another thing I was going to bring back in, you know, in, in the beginning is that actually our, our genitals, the, the vulva, um, I'll come back to that in a minute, in a minute, they all get quite engorged with blood um, during pregnancy. And for a lot of women, they'll maybe come in and say, I think I've got a prolapse. It feels so heavy down there and I don't know what's going on. Now, that can happen. It, that can be a normal finding and it can be something that's more than that, depending on how, how that heaviness feels. But if, you're, if you haven't been used to exploring your body or you don't know your body very well, then these things are going to be really worrying for you. So actually getting to know your body so that you are confident enough to come and seek help from somebody when something is awry or is amiss or doesn't feel quite right, you know, that, that's really key. That's really, really critical. Um, you know, just going down to, Karen and I discussed this the other day as well, just getting down to the point of what are, you, what are your bits and pieces called? So I think often we refer to the, to the whole of the area down below on a woman as the vagina. And actually the vagina is actually the tunnel going into your body. Your vulva is all, those are all the bits on the outside. So, so many women don't know that. And actually, frankly, before I became a women's health physio, I didn't know that, you know. So I don't know that. <laughs> did you not know that? Well, there you go. Every day, still day. So actually, just getting the right terminology and knowing what we own down there is really key. So I think that would be my first bit of advice. Get friendly with your body. Um, the other thing that we want to do is... Um, I think there's a lot of myths surrounding exercise during pregnancy. As I said before, you know, this ligamentous laxity, it means that we have to get our muscles to do an awful lot more of the supportive role around our joints. So actually keeping your, keeping your muscles in, you know, really well toned and firing well and active, it's key in pregnancy. And there'll be a lot of ladies who will say, but I'm not really an exerciser. And I've heard that I shouldn't start doing any new exercise when I'm pregnant. That's not true either. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, oh, well, if you've never done CrossFit and now you're expecting, get into CrossFit. Or if you've never been a runner, yeah, now you can start running now that you're pregnant. You know, we're not going to start saying that to you. But if you've never really been an exerciser, but you have walked all your life, then start walking. Do more walking. If you haven't done Pilates, pre and postnatal Pilates is so gentle and so much of it is about education and tuning up very specific muscles and making you aware of postural changes that it is super safe for you to start doing something like Pilates or um, a uh, pre and postnatal specific uh, sort of circuit training class. These are things that you can start doing. So that is one big myth. You know, women saying, well, I've been told I can't start exercising if I haven't done it before. Rubbish. You can start exercising and enjoying moving your body during pregnancy. You know, it's just being clever. There's another myth that we talked about as well, that we're always told never exercise on your back. 
when you're pregnant. That was something that was something I took, you know, like it was religious to me. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on my back. No, <laughs> this is bad. So can you tell us why? Why is that a myth? I had no idea. Well, I mean, it's a myth so so far as in you can actually you can exercise on your back at, um, for a lot longer than what we're what we're told we can. So the whole thing about li- exercising on your back is, you know, we've got a pretty main blood vessel in the body called um, the aorta, um, and that comes from comes from your heart. And lying on your back, I think the I- the idea is that with a with the weight of the baby, then lying directly on that blood vessel, that you're asking for trouble. But actually, your body will always make sure that that little baby is okay. So you will start feeling signs of dizziness or shortness of breath before your body's going to take anything away from the baby. And so what we will say to people is, are you are you still okay lying on your back? Right, well, we're going to do some short exercise. It's going to be about a minute long. We're going to lie on your back. If you feel any discomfort um, in either your joints or... Um, you know, with your breathing or anything, then come onto your side. I mean, the other thing we can do is prop you up on lots of pillows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can give you sort of wedges and um, yoga bolsters so that you're not uh, completely flat on your back. So you can do exercise on your back and there's lots of ways for us to modify it. But also, you know, know, we we can exercise you on your back um, for as long as you feel comfortable. I think most women feel generally pretty uncomfortable by their third trimester lying on their back. Um, so that's, you know, there's lots of good exercise to be done in that position as long as you are comfortable. Hannah, what would be your biggest advice after, you know, someone like me who's one, eager to get back into training and working out and walking and running and yoga and everything and anything? What would What would your advice be to just women who is just, delivered so my biggest advice is take your time you know we have all the time in the world to get back to exercise what I often will say to ladies is I need you to think about either it doesn't matter which way you delivered you either need to think about your perineum so where your you know where your vulva and your vagina Okay, these are, you need to think about that area, or if it's the C-section that you've had, think about that area as an acute ankle sprain. So if you think about when, when you have an ankle sprain, when you've turned over on your ankle, let's say, your ankle might be swollen, it might be hot, it might be red, it might be throbbing, you know, agony, you don't want to stand on it. When you've just delivered, your perineum is exactly the same. It is swollen. It has been through the mill probably, okay? So it's swollen, <laughs> it's hot, it's angry, it's uncomfortable, okay? And it, you may well have, a, you know, some injury to that area. You may well have a tear. You may well have had an episiotomy. You may well have had an assisted delivery, assistance being you may well have had forceps, which are like, or look like massive, you know, salad spoons. Um, to help deliver the baby's head through through the vagina. 
Um, you may well have had um, Von Toos, which is um, with the Kiwi cup, it's often referred to out here. So that's like a little suction cup that goes on top of the baby's head to mm. help the, the baby's head to be delivered. So if you think about all that trauma that may have gone on, and you may well have had quite a long delivery. So there's been plenty of pressure on the pelvic floor pushing down for a really long time. The pelvic floor muscle can stretch an awful lot during that labor phase. And so, you know, if it was an ankle, we wouldn't dream of putting our weight on it fully within the first few days, if not a week. Even even if you're feeling all right, you still recommend a minimum of six weeks? For any swelling to go down and for any injury that you may have in that area, be it from a tear or an episiotomy, which is a little cut that sometimes the, the, um, the OB will make to help um, guide the baby's head out. Um, we need to, we need to look at, look upon that area as if you had trauma in any other part of your body. Um, you know, if you, if you had a a muscle tear anywhere else in your body, we'd be taking it really gently and the perineum, your vagina and the vulva, it's no different. You must take it gently and steadily and slowly. As I say, you must give it that sort of compression, that rest, that support, wear big knickers, big pads. Let's add, let's get some good support going on in that perineum first. For the vagina and the vulva, we want you to start gently doing pelvic floor exercises. We want you to start doing nice, big, deep breaths to get the pelvic floor lifting and settling. We'd want you to be doing gentle pelvic tilts at this stage to start getting any excess swelling or fluid moving um, to try and um, to try and rest that area. So we're talking a lot about, um, you know, vaginal delivery and treating, um, treating the, the body and the vagina with gentle care. Um, does this also apply for women who have done a C-section? Yeah, absolutely. So the exact same advice you gave, you would give to a C-section delivery. Well, you know, we want to take it steady. Now, the, gui- the guidance out there is wait 12 weeks before you do anything, you know, after a C-section. Right. Now, again, mm. like right, my, my point right back in the beginning that, you know, all these things in pregnancy and delivery and postnatally, it's, it's all a spectrum. So how quickly somebody can get on the move, it might differ slightly from one, from one woman to the next. Um, with a cesarean section... Um, your OB actually goes through seven layers of skin, tissue, muscle, fascia. So it's really important that we give your body time for those things to knit back together properly again. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting thing about a C-section is that the only muscle they actually go through is your uterus muscle. They don't cut through any abdominal muscles at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, so a lot of the time they're, they're cutting through sort of layers of as I say, sort of skin, various fascia, um, fat layer. Um, when they get to your abdominal muscles, they can actually just separate your abdominal muscles in the midline. So just below your, so um, in the midline, so in line with your tummy button, but much lower where your cesarean section scar is, which is just, you know, just at the bikini line there. They can then actually just separate. They go through that midline of, of muscles with their fingers and they just push that apart. And wow. then they make a couple of other incisions on other layers and then they get to get to your uterus. And it's only the uterus muscle that they actually cut through to get to the baby. And then the waters and then the baby's there. So actually they're stitching up your uterus. They'll actually 
then allow your um allow your tummy muscles where they push them apart they'll just allow those guys to come back together again just naturally and then they'll sew up various um stitch up various layers of fascia again and then the skin so actually we want to take it we want to take it slowly with a c-section we've got to allow all those all those layers of tissues and things to to, to get back to where they were um in terms of sort of physio and postnatal care from um the medical professional's point of view i think something that um doesn't actually get done is you know looking after those abdominal muscles post c-section you know if you think about how much actually your abdominal contents has been moved around and squashed into all the four corners having had a baby in there we actually and then if you have a c-section we actually want to make sure we sort of massage your abdominals help everything get back to where it was before get all your um tissues and layers of fascia get them all moving again and gliding and sliding Often women will come to me and say, I haven't looked at it. I haven't touched it. It feels funny. I don't want to touch it. Um, is it all okay? And actually, the reason often why it feels very funny is because it's hypersensitive. Because when you make any incision in skin, you go through lots of little nerve endings. And then as those nerve endings are growing back, they become hypersensitive because everything is new that they're feeling. So what we want to do is desensitize those little nerve endings so make sure that they are feeling lots of different um lots of different sensations so we'll maybe rub a cotton bud over them then roll a ball over that's that c-section scar use a toothbrush you know use rough towels cotton wool all sorts of things to make sure those nerve endings sort of settle down so we like to desensitize that that scar also like um we like women to keep that scar nice and moisturized because if you keep a scar moisturized, you keep it malleable and mobile and you don't get any sort of tense areas there. Um, the other thing we often will advise women to do is use silicone, silicone dressings on top of the C-section scar. Again, it flattens the scar. It keeps it um, moisturized. It keeps it mobile so you don't get any tethering. You don't want any of those layers to get stuck together. So really important that we keep all the skin moving and gliding and sliding over each other after a C-section and as I say, desensitizing that area. So um, that's the kind of things that people can be doing post C-section. Um, quite early on for C-section and vaginal delivery, there are all sorts of exercises that I do let women know that they can do as soon as they feel comfortable. And by as soon as they feel comfortable, what I mean is, if you feel comfortable a couple of hours after delivery, or if it's a couple of days after delivery, or if it's a week after delivery, there are certainly things that you can do to aid your recovery quite, you know, quite early on. Um, those things are nice, big, deep breaths. We know that as you breathe, your diaphragm, your breathing muscle moves up and down. And with that up and down movement, your pelvic floor moves up and down as well. So it has this nice, um, normal little rhythmic contraction relaxation that it does with nice deep breathing so actually by just doing nice big deep breaths you're starting to mobilize the pelvic floor as you mobilize the pelvic floor again you're getting um you're getting the circulation going down then you're getting rid of any swelling you're getting all that swelling to move out the way the other thing that you're doing is 
as your diaphragm, your breathing muscle moves and your pelvic floor moves, your abdominal wall goes in and out as well. So if you're C-section, then doing nice big deep breaths helps those helps your abdominal wall move in and out. And again, you're getting blood in the area. You're sweeping away any swelling. You're getting everything moving and gliding the way it should do. So nice big deep breaths you can do as, you, as soon as you feel comfortable. Pelvic floor exercises. I think a lot of people will call them Kegel exercises. So pelvic floor exercise, which actually might be useful if we go through that now. Ladies, you can all do them as I talk to you about them. I, I have I'm been. Started. I think we there. all started. <laughs> so what we like you to do with a pelvic floor exercise or exercise, the two exercises that are very similar, one you're doing quite quickly and the other one you're doing quite slow. So we always tell our ladies, take your focus to your back passage, okay? And you're going to squeeze as if you're stopping yourself passing wind. Okay, so I think a lot of people are often taught to do their pelvic floor squeezes like they're stopping themselves, stopping themselves having a wee. But actually, you want to go back a bit further than that and stop yourself. Oh. Passing. Wow, I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> because your pelvic floor, you know, it connects all the way back from the tailbone all the way forward to, the, you know, to the front of the pubic bone in the front and then all the way out to the sides as well. It's like a great big hammock. So actually, we want to start that contraction as far back as possible. So squeeze, round your back passage like you're stopping yourself passing wind. And then you're going to relax. And again, squeeze and lift and then relax. While you're doing that, what, <laughs> you, might feel, what you might feel is that you're squeezing around your back passage, that you'll start feeling like you're squeezing around your front passage as well, like you're stopping yourself having a wee, but you also might feel like your abdominal walls coming in as well, like you're pulling in your lower abdominals. So you can you can feel even there that the amount of work that a pelvic floor exercise does. So we want you to do 10 of those quick ones. So you're where you're squeezing on and then relaxing, squeezing on and relaxing. You do that 10 times. And then we want you to do a pelvic floor exercise where you're squeezing on and you're holding for the count of 10 seconds and then relaxing. And, and we're going to repeat that 10 times as well. So squeezing on, holding for 10 seconds, and then relax. And an awful lot of women will say, uh, I got to about five seconds, and I'm not sure whether I was still squeezing. That's absolutely <laughs> fine as well. You know, so then just let go, totally relax, and start again and squeeze. And you'll gradually get better and better at those. So exercise that you can do, we talked about the deep breathing, talked about your pelvic floor exercises. The other things that you can do are lying on your back, with your knees up, you can just tilt your pelvis back so you're then pressing your lower back into the floor um, and then releasing again. So it's, you're doing these little pelvic tilts. Now, if, you're quite, if you find that you're happy doing that on the floor, then you can come up into your chair and do those little pelvic tilts just as you're in your chair there. So all you're doing is pelvic tilting. Now, the muscles that are involved in your pelvis tilting back, so sitting more on the back of your bottom, that's your pelvic floor and your lower abdominals that are responsible for putting you into that position. When you come forwards into that forwards pelvic tilt and you feel like you're sitting a little bit more upright onto your sitting bones, your pelvic floor and your abdominals are a bit more relaxed in that position. And it's more your sort of back extensors that get going there. Um, so actually these are three exercises that you know are doing your body absolutely no harm. And you can do those as soon as um, you're as soon as you feel comfortable um, after delivery.
So some top tips there. Amazing. You should be seeing us all wiggling and dancing in our chairs following your instructions. <laughs> I can tell, you know, I can tell when people are doing their pelvic floor exercises because they get funny little facial expressions, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, other advice postnatally is that, you know, we want you to, when we're talking about, you know, resting your pelvic floor and not diving back into exercise too quickly, we also want to make sure that, you know, you're keeping your bowels move, moving and you're not trying too hard to empty your bowels. So avoiding constipation is um, is a really big thing postnatally because, you know, if you're constipated and you're trying to heave her and have a poo, that's going to put increased pressure on an already quite lengthened um, and potentially damaged pelvic floor. And it's going to put more, again, pressure on these pelvic organs that are up there and potentially haven't got the pelvic floor lifting and supporting from underneath. So, um, and, you know, if we're breastfeeding, um, you know, a lot of the water that we take on is going into helping produce that milk. So often people will get a little bit more constipated postnatally. Um, so keeping the bowels moving is is fairly critical and you know you can do that by increasing the amount of fiber that you have in your diet plenty of leafy greens like um, spinach broccoli kale that kind of thing making sure you keep up with your with your fluid intake um, making sure that you're doing potentially what can help is doing some nice big deep breaths before you go to empty your bowels you can do a little bit of abdominal massage like you might do with a colicky baby so you can do that on yourselves as well before before you try and um, go to the loo. Also having a little step underneath your feet to lift your knees a little bit. It helps straighten out the back passage so that you get a, a smoother movement when you go to pass stool rather than trying to sort of push and shove and, and put extra pressure on the pelvic floor. These are such good tips and uh, they're so informative. I know that was one of my biggest concerns when... Um, when I was healing postnatally, what can I do right now? And actually one thing that I was so concerned with was my abs. And I remember, you know, being on Instagram and on social media, seeing all these women wear these abdominal wraps and these hip wraps, um, but also reading about how, you know, that could potentially go wrong. So could you tell us a little bit about these abdominal wraps? When is it right or wrong to wear them? What is your opinion on these things? I mean, firstly, what I need to say is that diastasis, the separation of abdominals, is 100% normal in pregnancy. It happens. It needs to happen to allow your baby space to grow. So um, there was a study done um, which showed that at 35 weeks, gestation, 35 weeks pregnancy, diastasis, the separated abdominals, was present in 100% of women at 35 oh, weeks oh. pregnancy. So it is completely normal for it to happen. Your abdominals, the, the rectus muscles, so that um, your six-pack muscles that you would might see in a, in a well-defined set of abdominals, um, <laughs> those, those muscles, they can extend and stretch and lengthen to up to double their length. And then when they can't lengthen anymore, they then start stretching and thinning. They're actually, the two, the two muscle bellies are actually connected by um, connective tissue, a thing called the linear alba. They're actually connected down the middle. Now that just gets thinner 
and it just stretches and those two muscle bellies just sort of glide away from each other, but they're still connected by that linear alba. It's almost like really thick cling film. So as I say, when your muscles can't stretch any further, then they just start gliding away from each other, but they're still connected. Now, if that separation is going to come back together naturally by itself, it will do it between about eight and 12 weeks postnatally. And I have to say, you know, the majority of women that will happen quite nicely that they'll come back together, particularly after baby number one. If it's not coming back together naturally, there are certainly exercises that we can do to help um, to help that happen. And it doesn't just depend on your abdominals. It depends on the function of your pelvic floor and it depends on the function of your breathing. Now, those abdominal wraps, now I think they do have a place, but I think the abdominal wraps, what I would say is I would want support underneath as well. So for your perineum. So if you're going to squeeze in the middle, if you're squeezing everything together in the middle and you've got weakness in the pelvic floor, are you actually encouraging something to come out from the pelvic floor. So I think I liken it to like a tube of toothpaste with the lid off. If, if you've had a difficult delivery and if you've had maybe tearing or episiotomy, if you've got a pelvic floor that's quite damaged and it's not able to support the pelvic organs, um, then whilst it is recovering from the birth, to then go and squeeze your abdominals are you actually going to put too much pressure on the pelvic floor that's already got some damage? So if you think about that sort of tube of toothpaste with the lid off, if you squeeze it right in the middle or, you know, of, of the tube of toothpaste, if you squeeze in the middle, you're, you're at risk of pushing out the toothpaste. So what we want to do is if you're going to wear an abdominal wrap, make sure that you've got, you know, if it, that, it, that it's, a, it's a garment that gives you um, support underneath as well you know to your perineum and there's some great support um support support underwear out there and there's a brilliant brand called evb which is um was actually designed by um an engineer (laughs) um an an engineer mummy and so and that's the kind of support garment they do underwear they do um cycling shorts they do um they do leggings you know uh for for exercising in and they give that support around the middle and also underneath so these sport garments they do have a place but i would be wary of wearing anything that's going to squeeze around your middle without protecting the underneath that's incredible thanks so much for that hannah i wore a wrap right immediately after i uh i actually gave birth the next day i was in my um belly wrap so i i asked karen about it and she told me that she talked to you about it just so we can get a confirmation if everything is all right but i did have um those full wraps were also my thighs my hips my tummy at times were fully covered and i had the wrap where it was only the um, abdominal area so definitely prefer the full wrap over just the center for sure yeah yeah um so that's why we say this sort of four to six week mark Give the time for the swelling to recover for you to get some more pelvic floor activity going before you potentially put more pressure on it by sort of wrapping it up. I'm sure, you know, you would know by now if anything was untoward. Um, um, it sounds like you're on top of what's going on with your body. Um, but, you know, I think sort of for, for everybody out there, you know, there's a reason why we say just take it steady. Enjoy your baby look after your body, just enjoy your sort of postnatal state for a little bit without rushing in too quickly. 
So, so Hannah, speaking of enjoying your baby, where we are now in, in the postnatal um, stage and, you know, we're, we're trying to take it easy, we're being gentle with our bodies, trying to recover and heal, but then there's also the reality of um, having a baby and holding the baby. So, so what are some common things that can go unnoticed with, with the body when it comes to holding a baby, because you know we're always holding the baby in one arm and maybe doing something with the other hand. Um, are we leaning? You know, could we possibly be leaning too much on one side that could be straining the the, the pelvis or the back? Movements in motherhood are they're slow, they're fast, they're awkward, they're sudden, they're random, they're continuous. You know, there's so much going on. Nothing in the gym can prepare you for the exercise you end up doing in, in mother, motherhood, you know, and I think I find it difficult to look at stuff on social media that says you must not get out of bed this way. You must not get out of the car this way. You cannot lift more than this many kilos. You know, the chances are by three months, your baby might be eight kilos. You know, your pram is often 10 kilos your car seat is often five kilos without a baby in it. You know, so we need to be lift, you know, we need to be um, aware of real life and what it entails. We often will be holding a baby, leaning back with a baby, you know, on our sort of chest while we're trying to stir a pot of something on the stove and answer the phone and close the door and stop the cat getting stuck somewhere. You know, these are all, these are all normal things we're doing. I think what, what we want to make sure that we guide women with is that if you are doing some sort of postnatal exercise, pay attention to some of the movements that you do in your day and see if you can try and do the opposite of those exercises in, um, you know, in, in, your, in your postnatal exercise. You know, some of the things that you're doing, for example, you know, if you're always standing with a baby on your left side, can we do some exercise that lengthens out the left side and strengthens up the right side. Do you know what I mean? So you're trying to even things out. And I think that mm -hmm. takes a really good postnatal trainer to sort of think that way. We want to get women um, mimicking the things they do in motherhood, but trying to even you out. We need to make you strong for the exercise that you do, but we don't want to be doing repetitive strain movements that we're already doing. We need to do it on the opposite side. So we'll often get ladies who come in and they've got potentially, um, you know, they say, I always carry my toddler on my left side and it's the right side of their lower back and pelvis that hurts them. You know, is it because they're always shearing on that side because they've always got their, their hip kicked out to the left, you know? So we want to make sure right in, your, in the gym, let's try and sort of counteract some of these movements so that your body gets time to rest, you know, so that you're not doing the repetitive things that you're doing in your in your day anyway, at the same time okay. as making you strong for those movements. Can we just quickly uh, discuss, you know, we know we've heard of prolapse, but we don't know too much about it. And I know there's so much information out there, but can you generally guide us on what it is? What are the different types? Maybe the symptoms there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so pelvic organ prolapse, there are several different types, but actually just to, to keep it straightforward, um, 
so there are three the three most common types of pelvic organ prolapse so you've got different organs within your pelvis one of them being the bladder one of them being the uterus um and one of them being the you know the the uh, the rectum the back passage so what can happen is um i like to give this sort of analogy of a of a of a ship in a dock okay so we have your ship that's maybe moored at the, you know, in, in the marina, okay? And it's got ropes tethering that, um, but you've also got the water underneath the boat supporting the hull of the boat, okay? So if we now take that analogy over to the pelvis, what we have is the pelvic organs anchored within your pelvis with connective tissue and fascia, and it's your pelvic floor that supports the pelvic organs from underneath. Now, what can happen is um, during delivery, and it can ha you can have a pelvic organ prolapse whether you've had a, a, a vaginal delivery or a C-section delivery because your pelvic floor has supported, you know, your baby and all the extra weight that comes with that baby and your pelvic organs at the same time. It's supported all those things regardless of the kind of type of delivery that they have. But often with a vaginal delivery, we get more weakening in, in, in the pelvic floor because you may have had um, a tear or an episiotomy or what have you. So if you think about that ship now, so if, so the ship is supported by water and it's got, um, and the ship itself is, is, is moored by these ropes. If you take away the water, so i.e. if you take away the pelvic floor function, so if that function is reduced and it's not lifting and supporting up underneath the pelvic organs, if you haven't got water supporting that boat, the hull of the boat is going to drop down and it's going to put extra tension on those ropes that are keeping it, that are keeping the boat still and anchored in the right place, okay, when it's in dock. It's the same, it's the same for your for your pelvic organs. If your pelvic floor is not supporting the organs well enough, then that connective tissue that holds those pelvic organs in place that connective tissue is going to be stretched. And this is when you can get one or more of those pelvic organs dropping down into, into the sort of vaginal space. Um, so you can have the, the bladder dropping backwards and downwards into the vagina. You can have the uterus dropping downwards into the vagina, so the cervix drops. Um, you can have the back passage collapsing into the back, back wall of the vagina. Now, all these, so the symptoms that people will often say is, I've got a heaviness or an aching or a dragging sensation in, in my vagina. So, and it's at this point that we do, um, you know, that when we're doing our pelvic floor examination, which we do advise everybody who's had a baby, regardless of your delivery of how you're feeling, to have a postnatal checkup, which will include a pelvic floor checkup. Now that is very much, it's very similar to what you might have with your gynecologist at, at that, or your obstetrician at that six week mark. But actually what physios are, we're really interested in the tone of the muscle, um, how well the muscle is working. Is it working not very much? Is it working too much? What's the position of those pelvic organs? We're going to look at you in lying. We'll check all those things in lying, but we'll also then get you to stand up. And this is often in standing is where we will feel one of these pelvic organs. You just feel a bulge into the vagina on either side. But that's the nuts and bolts of basically what happens with a pelvic organ prolapse is that one of these things or more will have come down to a degree. And there are different grades of how far down they come from not very much, so grade one, 
right the way to a grade four where actually you may have one of these organs coming out of um, the opening of the vagina. Wow, that's so interesting. It, it is interesting, you know, and I think it's, um, it's one of those things, that, and this is what, going back to my previous point of, if you know what your body already looks like and feels like, then you are more likely to be able to pick up a problem should it happen, um, either during pregnancy or in that postnatal phase. And, um, and also it's important to note that, you know, you, you're not just susceptible to any of these issues, just newly postnatal or in pregnancy. These things can come years down the line. So I have, you know, often we'll get ladies who are so keen to get back to exercise that they start getting back into exercise straight away when the pelvic floor is potentially still injured or stretched and it's not able to support um, what's happening inside the pelvis. And if that happens, then you're putting lots of tension on that connective tissue, on those ropes that are holding your ship up. So this is why we're saying take your time going back to exercise. There are definitely lots of things that we can do to lay the right foundations, but going straight back into running or straight back into CrossFit, that's when we're going to get the, the problem of putting you at risk of having a pelvic pelvic organ prolapse because you haven't quite got the protection of a nice strong pelvic floor underneath to hold everything up you know uh, just a question just one final question on prolapse what if if some if a woman was to have a pelvic floor prolapse what sort of treatment is there out there is it is it you know physical therapy exercise or would it be something a bit more invasive like surgery so it can't so all, all forms, really, often they were, are going to suggest that we go down the conservative route first. And the conservative route, what I mean by that is, you know, going towards the women's health physiotherapy to begin with. We need to improve the function of the pelvic floor. The other thing that we can do is introduce what's called a pessary, which is a little silicone. They come in lots of different actually types of materials, but we will often go for the sort of silicone devices that help to support um, a pelvic organ prolapse. And it's a little, as I say, a little silicone um, device that goes inside the vagina to either help bolster the walls or to keep the uterus up. It, it can also help um, an awful lot with um, with incontinence as well. So we can get all, and all these little devices, they're slightly different shapes and sizes. They've got little different attachments on them to help support different parts of the vaginal walls to help um, to help keep these prolapses and, you know, help keep them lifted. And often we can do things in conjunction. So in terms of you might use uh, a pessary, one of these little devices, and then that will allow you to progress your, your rehab further. And then, you know, at the, at the extreme end, um, yeah, there's our surgical options as well um, to have those, to have, to have repairs done as well. But as I say, I think most gynecologists um, will always go for that conservative route first and see what we can see how far we can get you um, without having to have surgery because um, you know that's the optimum isn't it not to have to go under the knife that's amazing thanks so much Hannah for for all of this incredible information and insights as Karen said I really wish I knew all of this before I got pregnant yeah absolutely I think that most women go away from their delivery thinking that 
you know, the body might, you know, heal on its own. And, um, you know, if there are some issues or, or, um, pains or struggles that women are going through there, there's little knowledge or information that there is support out there, um, to help, to help us, uh, kind of go through this port postpartum period as smoothly as possible. I think as well, you know, potentially, you know, it's always been out there, potentially from our mums and our grandmothers, you know, that, oh, well, you've had a baby. What do you expect? Yes, your body does change. Oh, everybody leaks a little bit after having a baby. And, you know, I think a lot of these things are, they're common, but we can change them. You know, if you want to change them, there's a lot to, that can be done to improve that. You don't have to live with these things. And I think it's, you know, podcasts like yours that are going to get the word out there that, hey, listen, don't suffer in silence come and talk to somebody, you know, and we have heard it. Well, my goodness me, we hear it every day, what's going on. So nothing's embarrassing for us, you know, and, um, you know, we're sort of rarely surprised by anything that's going on down below. Well, thank you so much. This is, it, this is incredibly empowering for women to know that, yes, it might be normal for it to happen, but as you said, um, there's, there's support out there to help us um, get better. Well, I think, you know, the, I think the point is, no, it's none of it is, none of it's normal. We don't want anybody to think it's normal. It's very common, I think, you know. So it's it's very common, but we don't want you to have to live with it thinking that it's normal. You know, it's common, but we can do something about it. That's a beautiful way to end it. So, so ladies, what you're feeling is common, but there's a way, there's a way around it to, to help. And we hope that this podcast and Hannah... Um, and your social network um, is available to you to get the support that you need. Thank you Thank so you much, so Hannah. Much. Thank you, Hannah. Ma'asalama. Ma'asalama. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me as well. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah. Take Bye. care. Bye. Okay. Bye.